So how do you go about building a remote product team and go from zero to one million per month in revenue? Hey, this is Cyrus, and today I'm excited to bring you an awesome interview with Johnny Chow, head of product at TopTal. Johnny has a unique career path, which has involved leading multiple digital transformation projects and working for some big names such as RBC, TransUnion, and Microsoft. Now, we talk details about remote product teams, how to recruit the right talent, and also how to build the culture remotely. So get ready, guys, to learn some top lessons from Johnny Chow. Hey, I'm your host, Cyrus Sleeman, and welcome to PM Hub Podcast, a show dedicated to bringing you fresh and unique insights from product leaders and tech entrepreneurs. All right, Johnny, welcome to PM Hub. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. That's awesome, man. Well, Johnny, you know, we all have a different journey to product. I'm curious to know what was your journey to product management? Uh, sure. So um, I started off as actually as a software engineer. So I went to the University of Waterloo, uh, you know, back in the 90s, where everybody thought, you know, it was the, the first IT bubble. And uh, we all we all thought we wanted to be software engineers. And um, I was actually a software engineer at uh, DoubleClick and then uh, RIM, right, which is now BlackBerry. And then what was interesting was that pivotal point is I just realized I was always asking about why we do something versus how we do something. So I was always more curious about the why, the purpose, like, you know, what it, you know, what is it that we're doing and why is it important, right? Um, and then I realized as a, as a software engineer, you don't get to, you know, work with the why nearly as much if, unless you were a product manager. Um, and then that's where I, I guess, made the switch where I, you know, I knew, right? So I wanted to, you know, do PM. And, um, you know, I guess I got a break. I, you know, the first PM job I had was at Microsoft. I was a, a PM program manager at uh, MSN and Messenger. So that was really fun as it was a consumer facing uh, product. And basically from then on, I just, you know, I became, you know, a product manager through and through uh, in different organizations and in different industries, uh, you know, small startups to large scale companies. Um, and yeah, so, so that's how I got into product management. And that's why I'm still at product management, because I still honestly think that out of all the jobs out there, um, this is one of the most fun jobs to do. You bet, man. You bet. And I love how you put it. That's so fundamental when you mentioned, you know, you're caring about why that you're building something something versus what is actually you're building. So I think, yeah, you just like, you know, drove it home with that. That's such an important point when it comes to product management. Yeah. Uh, now, how about right now? You're at TopTal. Uh, tell us a bit more about, you know, your current position. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the head of the product manager vertical at TopTel. So uh, the interesting part about that is that TopTel itself is a uh, freelance platform and one of the largest freelance platforms in the world. Uh, we're actually the largest distributed company in the world. So TopTel has no offices at all. Uh, our entire uh, core staff and our talents are fully remote. Um, so that's the interesting part about TopTel. And then uh, in TopTel, we classify our freelancer talents into five categories or what we call verticals, right? Um, you can guess the usual suspects like developer, designer, we've got finance experts, we've got project managers, and we uh, then, of course, have product managers. And I joined TopTel about two years ago where there wasn't any uh, you know, business unit or vertical called product management. It was just four. And uh, the interesting thing was, obviously, they're like, hey, maybe we should have a you know, fifth one. And then I joined the I joined the company to actually build and essentially you know, conceptualize, build, and execute this vertical um, that I currently manage, which consists of basically a core team of product managers that I brought on to you know, work on you know, 
you know, work on core team initiatives, but at the same time, there is a larger uh, freelance network of talents who are product managers um, that work with us and basically work with us on client engagements um, that we put them on. Very cool. I didn't realize TopTal was the, the largest distributed company in the world, man. That's pretty impressive. Uh, now, is it was the company like, you know, born digital from day one remote? Yeah. So the, obviously there are companies, uh, you know, out there to say, well, we've got more employees than TopTal that are remote. Right. But we're the we're 100 percent remote. Right. And we're like there's no company out there that's fully remote and still bigger than us as a company, uh, both in revenue and I think in uh, just employee size. And the story of TopTal really happened uh, with our CEO, Tasso. Uh, you know, he was, I think, a Stanford grad and he basically saw. Um, an opportunity, both as opportunity, but also a problem with remote freelance work, right? Uh, what he sort of said is, look, uh, you know, the work should actually be good, but it's such a bad experience for the for the you know, freelancer because you've got to do all this extra stuff that has nothing to do with your work, right? If you're a great developer, uh, you should be focused on that as opposed to billing, as opposed to legal and contract, as opposed to business development and all of those things that come with freelancing. Uh, but at the same time, it's also a hassle for the people hiring because if you have a bad experience with the talent, how do you go, you know, chase work or how do you say how how do I, you know, how do I protect my from IP theft or, or whatnot. Like, there's just so much uh, risk and so much concern with both sides when it comes to freelancing. So basically he said, hey, let's go build something that will alleviate uh, the problems and the challenges for both sides and make this freelancing experience amazing. And what he realized was that to build a company in San Francisco, the real Real estate costs are going to be so high. He's like, why don't I just pass this benefit on to the talents as well as the clients and just have a remote company, right? Beautiful. Beautiful. That's awesome. Uh, now, the next question, you know, like, John, is this, you know, it's a pretty staple question during COVID era. So I'm curious to know how has COVID overall affected your area of business? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I would say that uh, when COVID, like, you know, COVID hit different countries at different times, right? Um, so, for example, in January, February, you know, things were going great. Like, it was roaring. I was you know, fine in, in North America. We really saw uh, things uh, dip uh, at right, around that March, uh, you know, mid to late March to April timeframe when, you know, U.S., Canada, you know, a lot of Europe was closed down. And we definitely saw a dip in business, whether it's, you know, jobs being, uh, you know, postponed, canceled, uh, ending early, right? Uh, jobs that were full-time that are now going to part-time or part-time is going out going to hourly and, and all, all of those things. So basically a full reduction of, of cost across the board. And that definitely saw a hit uh, in terms of our business, in terms of growth, right? We have, we, have, we have very ambitious growth goals every year. So it wasn't that we were losing any more money, but it was just more so of cutting into a lot of our growth goals. Now, the interesting part is uh, we're seeing the market rebound, right? Like we've since then saw that uh, you know, it was it was low for for a while until sort of April May, and then things have sort of picked back up. And I would sort of say that we're I would say we're fairly back on track in terms of hitting a lot of our growth goals and financial goals, um, and in terms of just overall jobs. Like uh, the number of jobs actually uh, ha is higher now than it was in the sort of the, the you know the the low you know even the highs in February March. I would say I have more revenue now, more more jobs now in my in my vertical, of course. Um, so I think overall the economy, not necessarily economy, but in terms of a lot of the hiring and the needs, uh, potentially just to replace uh, people in the office, uh, we would, we definitely have seen that bounce back, and we you know safely and optimistically hope for that growth to con to continue. Um, and in terms of outside of just pure numbers and uh, performance, 
I think uh, COVID overall has sort of made us realize how fortunate we are because, you know, for us, we were always distributed, right? So, you know, really uh, there was no change in our lives for our talents and for our, um, you know, for our core, core employees uh, where we, we, you know, we, we see the impact, we, we see the turmoil and turbulence around us for our clients, for others around us. Uh, and, you know, obviously we feel bad for them, but at the same time, we feel very fortunate that, uh, you know, we were just used to remote from day one. Awesome. I, so it sounds like, you know, it's been a blessing in disguise for you at TopTop. Uh, first uh, yeah, I mean, and then... yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I wouldn't necessarily say, say blessing because, you know, we have clients who have essentially defaulted or, ha- you know, were not able to pay us and so forth. And those are costs that we have to bear. Um, but, and then we, you know, we hate to see clients go out of business. Right. Um, but at the same time, I, I think that, you know, if, if you said there was, you know, this entire world um, that are going to suffer, I think we were, we're sort of on the upper echelon of we've suffered the least. Right. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Yeah. That's maybe a better way to put it. And I can totally see, like, in a way that, you know, if, if TopTal wasn't around, like, you know, your clients kind of look up to your team and, you know, see, like, hey, you guys have been remote from day one, right? So there's a lot of lessons that you can, you know, teach your clients on, like, you know, different levels as well. So that's awesome that, you yeah. know, you have so, that uh, yeah. set up from the get-go. Yeah, and actually, if you look on LinkedIn, under our CEO, Tasso, right, he just published something uh, that we just launched. Because of our experience in, you know, being remote and, and doing this, we launched the uh, remote consulting uh, in an initiative where we can sort of take anywhere from, you know, whether it's as little as four to eight hours to maybe 40 hours, where we have a re- somebody who's super expert on how to build a remote team and how, how to optimize that for our clients, right? So uh, it's something that I talked to was just offering. Uh, we're not going to probably make a lot of money off of it, but we just want to see other companies succeed by being remote. So Beautiful. I love that. Now, Johnny, you know, you've built uh, a remote uh, product team that that, that leg at uh, top top from ground up from zero, nothing to over a million dollar revenue per month. That's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd like to, you know, get to get to kind of know more about the journey, like your approach. How did you go about it? Yeah. So, yeah. So obviously this wasn't done overnight. So the context is that we came to this point uh, in about, I think, a total of, I want to say, let's see, yeah, about 15 months or so, right? So it's like a year and a bit and a quarter or so, right? And obviously we've sustained that growth and it's, a, it's been a year and a half since we've launched the vertical, right? Uh, and in terms of just growing, obviously, uh, you know, it's not just me, right? I can't take the credit for, for, for all of that. Um, there's definitely a support structure. So we sort of see the verticals as a startup within a startup at TopTown, right? Um, so there's definitely support from business operations, sales, uh, you know, HR, finance, et cetera, that will help us reach our goals, and, you know, in terms of what we need. But obviously, we, we see ourselves, you know, heads, heads of verticals as entrepreneurs as well. And in terms of growth, I think a lot of our growth came in the I would say the last uh, sort of 50% of the time period right uh, because we started seeing a lot of success uh, with um, enterprise clients with clients we started realizing our value for a lot of enterprise clients um, especially traditional uh, you know 
clients in traditional industries uh, because you know I'll, I'll, I'll say it now right like you know a company like Google or Facebook is not worried about finding the top three percent of talents right uh, you know you've got top top shelf product managers project managers developers applying to those companies because of the brand they've built because of their compensation because of a, a number of things right uh, but however it is actually very difficult for you know banks for uh, you know healthcare companies for insurance companies right for for a number of these traditional you know in, in, in industries to number one attract great technical talent and number two to identify them right like how do you even know if you don't have the teams inside how do you know that they're a great digital product manager right how do you know they're a good developer right if you don't have that yourself right so uh, it sort of takes one to know one and i think that's where top to really really you know our vertical uh, struck success is where we went to traditional companies who are all trying to digitize right and all trying to have a product centric uh, you know organization and then say hey look we have these rock star product managers who have been at the googles the facebooks the spacex who can come in and help you with all of these different challenges you have and it was really about our value proposition in terms of you know and, and this is probably more true to product management, but it takes a long time to find a great product manager for a role, right? You know, you have to go, you, you know, the usual process is you go through your HR or headhunter firm, you make a posting, hundreds of people apply, you sort through them, then you set up interviews with maybe five to 10 people, and then you have second round interviews, maybe third round, you negotiate salaries, and you go through that entire thing, right? So by beginning to end, we, we, we looked at the averages and data, and it could be you know, as much as maybe you know, like four to six months before you find a talent, right? Like a final employee as a credible like senior product manager or director or whatever, whatever that you know, level is. But and even if you say, oh, everything went smooth and everything's really fast, it could still likely take about two months before you onboard. And what our one of our key value proposition is that we've done all that screening, we've done all of the interviews, we've done all of the vetting. So they're trusted, they're guaranteed. You you know you get your money back if you if you don't like them. And uh, these product managers essentially can start with you, you know, the next day. Like let, let's say me and you are doing this interview where I got sent over by Toptel for your team, right? And we have this amazing interview. You love what I do. You believe I can be successful on your team, uh, whether it's for three months, for three weeks, or three, you know, a year, right? And then you go, okay, Johnny, when can you start, right? And as long as you're good with remote, we can. I can start tomorrow, right? Um, and, and and that's one of the powers, especially you know, you keep hearing about clients who says, I want this team in place yesterday. I want this role filled in yesterday, right? And then we can actually help you get there or get close as close to yesterday as possible uh, versus a traditional uh, you know staffing company. So. Yeah. No, that's solid. Now I'm I'm curious to know, like right now on you know, on the product vertical that you you're the head of product for that section, do you have product managers on the kind of on your team on that side? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So every so basically the, the, the interesting thing about the vertical is everybody on your team, um, I think outside of one person who's a growth manager, and then you know, we obviously talk about growth and uh, you know BD and a lot of that kind of stuff, but outside of that, everybody has been or is a product manager, right? There's nobody who's not a product manager. So that, that, and that's the interesting part because, uh, you know, like, like we say, right? We always want people who are relevant to the vertical. So we wouldn't want anybody to represent Toptail in our vertical, uh, to, for example, to a talent who's a product manager or to a client who's looking for a product manager uh, without them being a product manager themselves, right? So uh, we definitely have product managers both on my team, uh, obviously, uh, and then they're very senior and seasoned product managers who have done tons of great work in their past. And obviously their work may not be as, you know, 
what I call what we call a classical product manager today, but they're using those same kind of skills. They're using that kind of experience to identify what that talent needs to be, who, you know, who needs to go into this job, what kind of, you know, what kind of you know, person would be successful at this type of you know, product manager job or chief product officer job. Um, and then they're able to give you a level of insight and what we call match uh, much higher than, for example, a traditional headhunter, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, for a lot of companies, even I've I've known that, like the hiring managers for these PM positions, like like they don't have much background in product, to be honest. Exactly. And from what I've been hearing, so if you have these top PMs interviewing PMs, that you know it's going to be good quality, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's that's awesome. Now, so it took you fifteen months this journey so far, Johnny. And so I'm curious to know, you know, the approach you took. There's a there's a demand side, obviously, you know, from the client side. And there's a supply of PMs. What was the approach uh, when when you go about it? Yeah, of course. So uh, we the approach is is, is I think uh, fairly fairly straightforward in terms of to say we were not going to go into a, you know clients of ours or potential prospects of ours without having a talent pool, right? We obviously have to have a talent pool first. But at the same time, you can't have a talent pool so large that everybody's like, hey, I did all this work because to become a product manager at Toptail is not easy, right? You've got to invest 20 to 40 hours of your life in terms of all the screening, onboarding, you know, even setting up things like your payment payment uh, methods. So somebody who's invested that kind of time is obviously looking for work, right? Um, so if you don't give them work, then they're going to say, well, you know, this has been a bad experience and a waste of my time. So what we did was we uh, launched our vertical to clients at about when our talent pool was 15 to 20 people, right? So when I interviewed 15 to 20 people over our sort of five-stage you know, phase approach and then onboarded them, I said, okay, great, we have enough. Let's open it up to what we call sort of a soft opening or essentially a beta, right? Where we went to our top tells existing clients, right? Who's obviously never hired product managers through us, but have hired other talents through us. And we went to them and said, look guys, we have product managers now, right? So out of you know the thousands of clients, Obviously, some of them actually need product managers or are looking for product managers. And immediately, we had this talent of 20 people or so. Um, and that, and obviously, that kept growing. So and then sort of over the last 15, well, now 18 months of the vertical launching, we've been playing this game, right? This balancing game of chicken and egg, right? Of saying, hey, we have more talents now. We need to sort of really step up on our demand and find more opportunities. Or we have a lot of clients looking for talents and our current pool is not you know, cutting it or maybe the clients only want talents from a specific region or with a very specific background. So let's go find those. So it's been this, this chicken and egg game of, you know, oversupplying and then and then growing the demand and oversupplying again and so forth. And of course, you know, not, you know, we don't have a hundred percent you know utilization and, and we shouldn't have that because at that point we wouldn't have any talents to send. But at the same time, it's sort of balancing that utilization rate as you would, right? To say that, well, what's a healthy you know ecosystem that will make sure that people are, are getting interviews, people are getting jobs. And of course, at the same time, we're not running out of talents where we don't have anyone to send to clients anymore that if they want somebody to start, right? So. Like what you hear so far, make sure to never miss an episode by clicking on the subscribe button now. This podcast has been made possible by listeners like yourself, and I'm thankful for your support. Now, let's head back to the show. Yeah, yeah, it's like a typical marketplace issue where the supply and demand, and yeah, you have to constantly exactly. balance between the two. Yeah, very cool. Now, uh, what would you say, you know, what are some <coughs> of the pros and cons of remote product teams from, from your perspective? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, the pros are obviously pretty, I think, uh, straightforward in that, uh, you know, you don't, you know, there's no commute, uh, you know, the, the, the time that, to be honest, that, you know, I would spend on commute, I'm spending on my job, right? Uh, you know, and then there's, there's this aspect of uh, not everybody on the team is uh, on the same place, so not in the same time zone. So from a pro perspective, there is definitely this overall sort of global coverage, right? We've got, I've got team members in basically, you know, six continents, right? Um, and then they, they're obviously able to cover a number of these time zones very well, regardless of where our clients or talents are. At the same time, obviously, you know, there are cons to that. For example, if we want a team meeting, right? Or it's harder to coordinate time. There's always somebody who's gonna have to be on a call maybe earlier in the morning or later in the evening. But, you know, those meetings don't happen on a daily basis. So it's it's manageable. So that's one of the, th you know, one I think one of the pros and cons of a remote product team. Uh, I think, uh, you know, some of the other pros is you really get a diversified view of talents, right? Um, you know, one of the things I'll sort of say is that, for example, if you live in, you know, let's say you lived on Silicon Valley or the Pacific Northwest or say New York or Toronto, uh, a lot of times when you meet people, you're like, hey, you know, we're all sort of cut from a very similar cloth from the places we've worked, from the methodologies we've got or the sort of certifications we went to get um, and so forth. And uh, when you have a remote team, you know, I have, te I have team members from, you know, Brazil, Portugal, Spain, uh, Australia, uh, you know, obviously, you know, North America, of course, and it's just much, a much bigger and more diverse team, both culturally, both from a training and background perspective. Um, so when we have conversations, it's more interesting. And I think when we have, uh, when we have problem solving uh, sessions, uh, we're like, hey, what about this? Uh, there's just a wider variety of angles and a wider variety of views that can help us solve a problem that we go, oh, we wouldn't have thought about that, right? Or, but on the same, on the same token, there are cultural aspects, for example, uh, you know, there are certain cultures in certain countries where, uh, you know, feedback is very blunt, right? People are just very blunt with their feedback and it's meant to, you know, there's no disrespect there. There's no, you know, there's no negative intention. It's just like, if I say, hey, you're wrong, I'll just say you're wrong, right? Um, and of course, in North America, we sort of have a way of sugarcoating a little bit, right? You know, being nicer about right. it, especially in Canada, Canada. And then, so there's <laughs> sometimes there are cultural clashes uh, or, or whatnot to say, well, I, I felt like, you know, she, you know, he or she was mean, right? But actually they weren't being mean. And, and some of it does require a little bit of that, uh, you know, retraining or to say, hey, you know, can you, can you be a little more polite to, you know, for example, North American clients and talents. Uh, but for example, if it's somebody from your own country or your own region, and you know that that's the way you guys converse, obviously we're not gonna get in the middle of that, right? You know, you, you know, there's a natural way to converse where you're from, right? But obviously respecting the cultural difference and the regional differences across the world, right? Um, um, in terms of any other sort of pros and cons, um, there are some nuances, I think, uh, in terms of sort of just even think, you know, things like, um, you know, taxes, for example, right? We'll always get questions about, well, might the taxes work this way, for example, in my country versus that country? So TopTo sort of takes that approach of, you know, you guys who will have to figure it out. There, there's, you know, there's no scalable way a TopTo can figure out, con you know, sort of the tax, you know, system of 150 or 200 different countries where our talents and where our core employees are. So there's, there's obviously certain things like, you know, vacations or holidays, right? There's, there's always a holiday somewhere, for example, right? So um, obviously we, you know, uh, the U.S. obviously don't probably dominate our business. So we always sort of say, uh, hey, uh, you know, try to be here even if it's a holiday. We, we give each other as much coverage as possible. So if somebody's having a holiday in Asia, you know, we're covering them and vice versa. If we're off, they're covering us. So I think, again, it goes towards one of the pros and the cons of having a remote workforce. You just have to be respected, you know, you just have to respect and be cognizant of those type of differences and nuances, right?
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's such interesting points you're bringing up, especially on the cultural clashes piece that you mentioned. I personally had to uh, struggle with that when I first moved to Canada, so it was definitely a learning curve for me. I could totally relate to that. Uh, now yeah. you mentioned uh, you you mentioned that you have like you know these uh, experienced PMs interviewing PMs, and they know basically they know the craft well in the area. Mm-hmm. Is there like uh, any other like you know other kind of like what's I'm, I'm curious to know is there an overall approach you take when you go about to recruit the right talent besides what you mentioned about like having a PM from the same industry potentially? Uh, okay, so when you say recruiting the right talent, are you, you're you're talking about my core team, right? Or are you, or are you talking about the talent? Well, that's talent interesting. Network? Let's. I'm I'm curious to know on both sides if you don't mind sharing. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, on my so the the t- talent was actually easier to describe because there's a there's a very fundamental philosophy, right? Uh, first of all, um, we look for end to end what we call end to end product managers like. Somebody who could help a client go from ideation to commercialization, right? Someone who can say, if a client says, I'm in that really early stage, help me with my pitch deck, help me with marketing and you know, market research, competitive analysis. Somebody can do that, right? They can do that. And then, so if a client says, I'm in the middle of a sprint and I need help, so somebody could, could, could sort of be uh, you know, dropped in and help them with that. Or if a client is having growth problems and go-to-market issues to say, well, can you help me with a go-to-market strategy with a pricing model or a growth strategy or, or something like that, uh, they can help with that as well. So our screening actually covers sort of the majority, like I would say the end-to-end flows of those each of those important steps. And uh, it was my, in my philosophy that I want to build a what I call a heterogeneous pool of talent. So uh, I wanted the talents to be different, right? I wanted them to have a same, a similar set of baseline skills of what we just talked about, but I also wanted them to be from a variety of different backgrounds. So, you know, product managers who with fintech experience, with healthcare experience, with, you know, a mobile experience, with a social media experience, with, uh, you know, e-commerce, CPG retail, right? So, that, so we have got product managers from all of those experiences. And another angle to look at this is I wanted product managers' talents from a variety of seniority levels, right? So we've got your chief product officers, like the you know the former head of uh, product at Atlassian, for example, right? Uh, we've got you know former head, heads of product at like Yahoo, right, and, and so forth. We're all, ta- all t- talents, but at the same time, the you know probably only 20% of jobs are looking for those types of you know, roles, or even 10%, right? So I wanted to have talents who were, I would sort of say, a little more junior or mid-level, right? People who are you know, product owners and senior product managers and maybe you know, product directors or, or whatever, and, and those in, in that area as well. So you could sort of say that in our philosophy of recruiting the right talent remotely uh, for the talent side, it was to have as much variety as possible if they've got all the baseline skills that we talked about that define a product manager uh, in terms of the product alumni life cycle. And once you showed that, then it was actually about to say, oh, we need more healthcare product managers or we need more uh, you know, financial service product managers or insurance product managers or, or mobile product managers. And it was about getting as much uh, of those different types of talents as possible because our clients are actually very, very different in terms of their industry, their background, their needs. So there was always you know, something that comes out of my field to say, I want a product manager in the US with, you know, uh, artificial intelligence experience, but also with e-commerce experience and who could speak Spanish, right? Like there was just all of those. And then sometimes even with a deep pool, some of those with some of those requirements and filters, it gets very hard to actually find the right talent that's a perfect fit, right? Um, and then for my own team, it, it really uh, depends, right? Because 
you know, my main two main team, you know, teams under me are what we call screening and matching. So the screening part, it was, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this. We're, you know, we're looking for talents who are at least somewhat senior, what I would sort of say, 10 years of experience or more, right? I was looking for, you know, credible product managers who have had teams themselves, who have, you know, obviously experience recruiting, interviewing, leading, and grooming teams who can identify good talent, right? Who's got that eye for talent, who are very empathetic, but at the same time, who are not going to be like passing every person. They're going to be, okay, they're going to say, well, this person is great, but they're still missing this. So I'm going to reject them, but give them all this advice and say, hey, you can apply back in six months, right? Or you can apply back in a year or three months, depending on what they lacked. Um, so the, so on the screening team, I was looking for people who are sort of, you know, and, and it sounds like an oxymoron, but people who are judgmental, but also people who are empathetic, right? Who are great mentors, who are great groomers of talent and identifiers of talent. And then they, they've got that eye to say, okay, this person can be great, right? Or this person can really do well in this kind of job. Um, and then of course, we've got a very rigorous uh, screening framework with the right, you know, with the content that's being updated and evolved. But at the same time, we also trust our screeners to look for, you know, per great personalities, great passionate people, and, uh, you know, and, you know, and sort of filter out people who are going to be uh, clashes with that, right? I mean, there's some talented people out there, but some of them don't have the greatest of attitudes or, or are, you know, are fairly arrogant and so forth. So those may not be the greatest matches for our clients because we want our clients to have a great experience as well, right? So we're, we're not only testing you for, for, you know, you being a great product manager, but also you being just being a great freelance talent. So, so, so that's really what the screening team um, has to do. And, and that's what I look for in my hiring. Now for matching, it's more much more client facing and it's much more of a, I would sort of say, you know, focus on BD and uncovering opportunities. So again, I, you know, they're probably more senior than your average product owner, product manager. At the same time, um, they're really good at figuring out what people are saying. Uh, you know, they, they, t they tend to be really great people. Know, people persons so they're really you know they they're they're likely more extroverts uh they're likely you know they love to talk to clients they they you know they they like to understand the client's problems they want to know what you know what they're looking for they want to know what success means um and almost putting themselves in the in the shoes of to say if you know can i be successful at this job that i'm talking to you about right and then finding you know finding the right talent that will fill this job um, so you can sort of say, yeah, they, they play the role of a really senior recruiter, but with an extreme, extreme domain expertise in product management. Mm -hmm. That sounds very interesting. And it's, it's quite a rigorous process. I never thought that would be the case. And it sounds like if you nail a top-down interview, you can nail anything. <laughs> Uh, no, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call us the hardest. Uh, you know, like the hardest. I'm, I'm sure there are harder ones out there. But what I would say is, if you look at our uh, talent pass rate, right, from the moment the talent applies to TopTal to the moment where you know they they they, they passed our last screening step and they're being onboarded, um, that rate is still under three percent, right? Under three percent of the talents pass. So it is, you know, you, you know, we, we we don't like to say this, but we you know it it is really the, the, the top of the top, right? You're getting, you're getting some of the best talents out there. Um, and, and, and not necessarily like, you know, to say that somebody has to be super senior. There are talents who are, who are with us with as, as little as maybe five years of product management experience, but there's just very, very strong talent with an amazing personality and have done some great things even in their short tenure. And we realize the potential in them, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean it's extremely hard to pass, but you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't you know, advise any product manager to take it lightly because I know if you take it lightly and you don't put in the work you need it, you likely won't pass, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Now, next question I had, Johnny, was like, how do you, 
and that's a big one for myself. You know, how do you build a culture remotely? You know, how do you actually work together when you're in fact alone? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So so that's very interesting, right? Because we've actually found um, that ex extroverts are the ones that struggle with remote from a long-term basis, right? Uh, and that and I'm not and I'm not saying one is better than the other. We obviously have both introverts and extroverts and, and everything between and, and our teams, both core and talent. But we tend to find that the extroverts really want that social get you know gathering. And of course, before COVID, TopToe was sponsoring a lot of events and meetups. Or whether they're conferences or whether they're just at a coffee shop or co-working days um, in, in all of the different cities where we have talents and teams, right? So we're doing all of that to, to facilitate that. But it's the, and, you know, I, I actually found that um, the introverts are very interesting because when you have a remote team, right, a lot of it isn't about sort of just talking face-to-face -face or grabbing a beer after work or having lunch together. A lot of your performance, a lot of your satisfaction from work is coming from your, like, metrics, right, from data, we're looking at what is our conversion rate, right, what is our talent talent uh, fulfillment rate or utility rate or, you know, what, what is our, you know, uh, what, what are our KPIs and how are you doing against them? So we found that people who are great at data um, tend to thrive at TopTel, right, and then so, so, so to, to basically build that culture to say we're a very data-driven company, we you know, we, we try to minimize it, and not to say there isn't, because you can't fully minimize, but, you know, reduce, but we try to minimize the bureaucracy, we try to minimize the politics to say that everything is, is, you know, is as meritocratic as possible based on what you're able to do, right? So we try to build that type of culture where it's meritocratic, you know, it's fair, you know, you get out of the job what you put into the job. And that seems to have worked, at least with, you know, with our team, uh, in terms of people being happy with their team. And uh, really, uh, we also do, uh, you know, with COVID especially, but we, we we do this regularly is we have these sort of uh, you know maybe happy hours if you will maybe every few weeks or month and then you know it was just you know it would be like a zoom call right you know and then and of course people could have a drink or whatever on, on their desk and then really just have a conversations and we'll play games or we'll, you know we'll, we'll come up with some games online or whether it's sort of a you know a, you know we you know tell tell things like you know two truth and a lot like just things that we try we try to talk to each other about uh, and of course we're very understanding that once you're remote a lot of your personal life meshes into your work life, right? So whether you're taking your dog to the vet, whether, you know, it's your kids, uh, whether sometimes, you know, you, you've got to take time off. So TopTel has this unlimited vacation policy. So we're always very cognizant of people's uh, lives and what, you know, what their personal and family lives are. And we'll actually sort of recommend people to take time off, even if they don't want to, even if they're like, yeah, I want to work, we're like, hey, you know, take, just take a couple of days off, right? Uh, or we'll say, hey, you know, we don't, you know, we see you working on the weekends and we appreciate that. But at the same time, you don't have to. That's not expected, right? So we don't want to, you know, we foster as much of it as to say, we don't want you to burn out. We care about you, right? I think TopTel, you know, obviously like every startup, you know, when it started, it was a very much like a family, you know, for family feel. We're now we're getting to a, to a size where it's hard to be sort of family right now, right? Uh, but at the same time, we definitely have a culture of where we're doing these things like a 30-day walking challenge, a 30-day uh, challenge of eating healthy, right? Uh, we have like, you know, channels where we share our cooking, share our pets and, and so forth. So we, so we, nice. we foster that culture of you know, trying to do things that what you would do with your coworkers in an office, uh, but we can do it you know, via Slack, via Zoom, via you know, sh 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 just sharing different things. And of course, I think you know, COVID will pass. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be the first to get out and have you know, offsites where, where we, you know, we, we did in the past. We had annual offsites. We'll pick a place in the world where everybody goes to and just enjoy a, a week of each other's time and so forth, right? So, so there's a lot of things we would do. And, uh, and, and really, it's, I think it's just about understanding and empathizing with each other and understanding 
that uh, your personal life and your you know, work life is really now sort of meshed together a lot and trying to have respect for that and, and really preemptively, uh, you know, helping people to achieve a work-life balance, right? No, I love that. Thanks for elaborating on this. And personally, I could really relate to the point on minimizing bureaucracy, as you mentioned. I personally realized that since COVID, it's been much easier to, you know, set up meetings and bring stakeholders together because, you know, hey, it's online, right? So you don't have to go yeah. through a lot of loopholes, right? So, yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. So you're absolutely right. Very cool. So now if you were to build a remote product team again, Johnny, what would you do differently? What would I do differently? Um, yeah, like, you know, obviously, you know, we, we do our best when it comes to uh, screen, you know, interviewing people, uh, bringing people in. Uh, so, I, so, and then, you know, making sure that they're a fit both from a skill set, but also from culturally and so forth. But again, it's, it's not, it's, it's hard to be 100% correct, right? So if, if I was to do this again, I would probably even add more rigor for my own team, right? So in, in terms of that, because some, you know, it, it's actually you know, quite cost-intensive purpose to, to bring somebody in, especially something specialized uh, in, in, in what we do. And what I would, would have done is probably even taken more time and even sort of just wait it out. Because, but you know, at, the, at the same time, when you're in that type of environment where there's just so much growth, sometimes it's hard to say, well, you know what? I'm not going to hire because I don't have the right person, right? I'm just going to go back to square one. It's, it's very easy to get in the habit of saying, you know what? Uh, this talent or this person may not be 100%, but you know, they'll fulfill our purposes and maybe we can, you know, hopefully we can you know, groom and retrain them. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I would definitely put more, even more, time in terms of interviews in terms of just gauging if a talent will if, if somebody will be a great you know good employee here at TopTel. yeah okay now thanks for sharing uh now you mentioned that you know it's been an optic uh you know since since uh you mentioned a few months ago in in terms of like the business that they you know and you guys are getting on your vertical the product vertical now do you see like other do you see another trends in 2020 or do you see that keep going up uh yeah so in terms of no obviously you know there are bigger things in the world that's going on that that's outside of you know our jurisdiction and you know maybe, maybe somebody will do something that's you know so different that it will change all the predictions but in terms of a remote trend absolutely we see this as a uh, you know sort of that rising sun type of industry where things are just beginning right if you look at the entire world's gdp in terms of a workforce you know it's obviously in the multiple trillions and uh, remote work is less than like half a percent of that right it's much much less so in terms of growth um i actually like you know one, one thing was pretty funny i was just talking to my boss and, 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 and his boss and I, I basically said i you know I, we did a competitive analysis but we don't see i don't i do not see upworks as competition i don't see gigster fiverr i don't see any of these freelance platforms as competition i see them and the same way, like, you know, uh, Tesla would see other EV, you know, electric vehicle manufacturers uh, as, you know, to say, hey, we're not actually taking business away from each other. We're taking business away from traditional car companies, just like we're not necessarily taking business from Upworks or vice versa. We're actually taking a bit away business from, you know, the traditional uh, recruitment firms or the traditional method of, you know, going through HR, posting on LinkedIn and doing all of those things. So I think that's the way I sort of see that trend. And that trend is... I, you know, if, if I may be optimistic, I think it's, it's going to be a rising trend and if not explosive trend in 2020 and beyond. Mm. No, I love that. That's super smart, man. It's like, you know, when you grow the pie together, right? It's just with Upwork and the other ones, yeah. you're growing that pie, right? So that's that's the way you're looking at it. Yeah. Okay? 
yeah, like, like their success is fine with me because we can be successful together because the, the market is so big. And what I would also say is uh, we, we're sort of authors of our own novel, right? Like authors of our own story, right? Because no, mm-hmm. nobody would have believed in freelance unless the first freelancer did, did it, right? And nobody would have believed remote would have worked until the first person did that, right? So we're also sort of writing our own stories in terms of just saying remote freelance on a large scale, especially in technology works and it works great, right? And we're proving it ourselves, you know, sort of to say, look at all these successful engagements we have and are still on. And then so, and then we sort of have to grow that pie, like you said, to be bigger and bigger. And the bigger that pie is, the more people will hear our story and will believe in our story, right? Mm. I love that. We're authors of our own novels. I'm gonna remember that. That's beautiful. So uh, say you know what I let's say I'm a, I'm a PM. I want to you know at some point consider you know becoming a freelance PM. Where can I go about mm-hmm. kind of like learning more about just the logistics, like this experience size, you know, we're getting as you work in your industry. But then what other, right. uh, what any resources you would kind of suggest for a potential uh, PM who wants to go remote? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, so, so there's, there's two things, right? There's sort of the resources and what people think of like, oh, I need to get a Zoom account, I need to have Slack, I need to have Trello or, or those things, those type of things to say I can do this, right? But we actually, you know, I think Toptal is probably more advanced in the way we see remote work, right? Excuse me. So what we sort of see those is as table stakes, right? People can go download those. People can use this. The learning curve for those type of things is very, very low, right? Uh, and it's really easy for you know. It's not a secret. I can get those tools. You can get those tools, right? So it's just not very. It's not very hard. And especially to say, you know, especially if these days people work in agile environment, you can have your daily scrums. You know, your, your daily standups. You can have your you know retrospective. You can and you can do all of those via the tools that I just mentioned. So it's not a much a really big hurdle. What we sort of see as a big hurdle for talents wanting to do freelance and want to do remote is those things I talked about at first where it made the experience bad, right? Not everybody's going to be a salesperson, right? Not everybody's going to be a great, great business development. Not everybody's going to be able to sort of come up with a great, you know, contract for freelance or even to do billing, right? Or chasing bills in case clients or handling disputes and, and sort of doing customer experience, right? Um, and all of those things, and especially sort of, and then the second part of that is building the credibility as a freelancer, right? Because today you can potentially get a freelance PM job maybe with a really, really small company that you met online. And even then they're going to have some, you know, you know, they're going to think it's a risk because they've never met you, right? They, you know, they know you from LinkedIn, you've had a call or whatever, right? Uh, however, there's likely no chance you'll be able to get that kind of freelance job, say with an RBC, right? Or a TD bank or with a, a multinational, you know, a billion dollar company. And that's where I think uh, companies like TopTel, companies like Upworks, of course, and what we call sort of the platform or the, the, the you know, the marketplaces will help because, and especially TopTel, because uh, we're the, oh, actually, we're probably the, one of the only platforms that does this rigorous screening, right? Um, that sort of proves to the client to say, we've actually done all of this and we actually guarantee uh, that the quality is there or not, you know, you have this risk-free trial that we will pay for. Um, so I think there's there's two hurdles for, for uh, people who want to go remote. Number one is to go and figure all those steps out yourself, right? To, to sort of grow your uh, pipeline for clients, right? Or to figure out, here's a great way to build clients. Here's an easy way to build clients. Here's what my clients could potentially use or want to use uh, as a way to pay me, right? And those are things that you don't know, right? And it's harder to figure out. And then of course, to establish yourself as a credible consultant, build your own brand. And some of our talents are like that. So some of our talents, they already have a consultant 
consulting practice. They're a one-man shop or two-man shop, and they're just really using TopTel as a lead generation device uh, to say, hey, yeah, you can get me this client engagement, and I'll do it at this, uh, you know, potentially discounted rate or not. Um, and then, you know, we'll sort of work together. But if you can't get me anything, I've got my own portfolio of clients. Um, so it really depends. If you're a, if you're a talent without any of that uh, sort of, you know, brand or credibility, then I would suggest you work with a uh, marketplace like a TopTel or, or, or others and build that up, right? Build the understanding up, figure out how, you know, if clients actually behave differently remote versus face-to-face, -face, right? Um, and then, you know, get used to all the tools, get used to all the processes and, and, and you know, the billing and so forth. And then once you do that and you built up sort of this nice portfolio, then you can say, okay, obviously I'm not going to, you know, steal top tells, you know, clients away uh, because of my agreement, but I can go, obviously go, go away outside of top tell and build my own client base, right? Um, so, so there's a lot of ways you can do this. And of course, we've got talents who, you know, can be bothered with sort of doing the sales in BD and they just go, I'm happy working with TopTel and I'm happy having TopTel bring me all that, the business and obviously taking our share of the profit, right? So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So Johnny, what's next for you and your team at TopTel? Uh, yeah, so uh, obviously TopTel is growing, uh, you know, and we are looking at a number of growth areas, both in, you know, different industries that we've had success in, different tech stacks where the demand is there, you know, the usual suspects, right, you know, it would focus on things like, you know, AI, machine learning, uh, e-commerce, uh, you know, mobile, right? So the, the you know, the, the technologies that, you know, that are in high demand, also the industries that are growing too, like healthcare is growing, growing right now because of COVID, right? Or e-commerce is growing right now because of COVID. So those are some of the key areas that we'll focus in. We're also going to focus in developing, you know, not just product managers, but what we call uh, specializations, right? And you can think of those as sub-branches under the product management umbrella so we'll have like you know the product owner right or maybe a technical product manager or more of a digital product marketing slash growth expert right so we're going to start looking at these sub branches that are even more specialized to help clients with the various stages of their you know their challenges or where their products and where their go to markets are so uh, those are some of the exciting things that we're actually planning for and hopefully you know in a you know, few quarters that we'll have in the market and they'll, they'll be doing well Beautiful. Awesome. Last question, Johnny. It's typical for all my guests. Yeah. Uh, since we're in COVID yeah. again, what is your top quarantine tip? Uh, get exercise, right? Like one of the things I realized is I don't get, you know, you know, obviously uh, there's, you know, uh, you know, I've been working remote for two years, right? But one of the first things I noticed when I first started doing remote is I gained weight because I was just not moving much, right? Uh, and then so to sort of, you know, actually take breaks, uh, whether you're working remotely, you know, mo I guess most of us are when you're working remotely, but to sort of force breaks at home and then just go out and exercise, enjoy nature, even if it's like a 10 minute walk around the block or in the park or going to... Go, go, going to get a cup of coffee or just, you know, walking around your house or apartment and then saying, hey, I'm going to go do this. And one of the things I actually found to be really good is, um, you know, a, what, what, you know, what I bought was a standing desk converter. So I actually thought that, hey, if I'm getting a standing desk, it's going to cost me like $500 to $1,000. But this standing desk converter is like a couple hundred dollars, right? Uh, and then so I actually bought this uh, standing desk converter that I can actually uh, put a dual screen setup with keyboard, mouse, all of those things. And it's actually really convenient. It's hydraulic, so you can sort of move it up or down. Works just like a standing desk, but it's actually a lot cheaper and it's a lot more mobile because I can take this standing desk converter and put it on a different desk and that'll be a standing desk now, right? So it, I'm in no way trying to uh, plug for this product. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't work for this company, but or, or these companies. But I have actually found that yeah. the standing desk converter was awesome, right? So.
Yeah, no, that's awesome. And you obviously have a lot more experience working remotely. So thank you for sharing that. And yeah, I think that was pretty much it. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for being on the show and talking about building a remote product in from scratch. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, and uh, you know, I think you're do what you're doing is great in terms of just disseminating information to a community of product managers. Um, I'm sure I could have used something like this when, when, when I was sort of growing up as a product manager. So keep up the great work and uh, thank you for having me. That's it for this week's episode of PM Hub Podcast, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's talk with Johnny Chow. Now you can get all the tips and action items of this episode for free in a one-pager kind of cheat sheet at this bit.ly link that we're going to give you. You can go to bit.ly, bit.ly forward slash pmhub12 to get your copy. And also subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. I'm Cyrus Slayman, and until next episode, stay safe and healthy.